Hello there, and welcome to Odessa First Assembly's weekly podcast, where we bring you the heart of our Sunday message. I'm Tony, your host and the face behind our digital ministry. We're excited to dive into today's sermon, exploring the Word of God together. So grab your coffee, find a comfy spot, and let's embark on this journey of faith. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. Um, good, good morning. See if y'all are awake. How about them cowboys? I don't like the cowboys. <clears throat> Just kidding. You guys don't grab nobody's pants. Uh, super excited. Not very often that I get to um, preach with Pastor Todd and Derek here. So no pressure. Holy Spirit's moving. Hey, what's awesome is how much of what has happened this morning that kind of, in my opinion, falls in place with what I'm going to be talking about. And so that's always a a good sign. This morning we're going to be doing a a message the Lord laid on my heart called The New. It's New Year's Eve. I'm talking about out with the old, in with the new, putting on the new man, becoming a new person, new year, new me. All that good stuff, amen? amen. I got Charmin right here. Ken and Vicky are gone. Ken and Vicky, if y'all are watching online, Vicky, I miss you. For those of y'all who don't know, Charmin and Vicky are my encouragers. When I when I'm preaching, because I can look on this side and there's Charmin, she's nodding along. I look on this side, there's Vicky and she's nodding along. So I'll, I always feel good about that. Angela's got me. All right, awesome. Hey, let's. Uh, Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you, God, for what you've already begun this morning. Lord, as we begin to usher in the the new year, Father, we want you to be the forefront of it, God. We want to surrender 2024 and the rest of our lives fully to you, Lord Jesus. And I just pray, God, for the the time that you've given me this morning, God, that it, it not be me, but it be your words that are, that are heard, Lord, and that that falls on hearts that are good soil, producing a harvest 30, 60, and even 100-fold. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, New Year, what does everybody do for, for New Year's? They make resolutions. That's what we're looking for. We're not looking for what's happening tonight. Y'all shouldn't be doing that. Unless it's a lock-in, then you should be doing it. What is a, what is a resolution? It's a, a firm decision to do or not to do something. So, so that's what we're doing. We're making a, a, this resolution as we go into the, to the new year. And, and I'm, I'm a big old nerd. And so I, I wanted to look at the kind of the history behind resolutions and what they are. And so, as far back as I traced, it started in Babylon. They had festivals to bring in the new year, and they made promises as a precursor of a resolution to repay debts or to forgive one another. And they had a belief was they would receive blessings in the new year from the pagan gods they worshipped if they were honorable in fulfilling those promises. And so then we kind of move forward in time, and we look at the Romans, and during the time of Julius Caesar, January 1st became the celebration of the new year, 
The month of January is named after the god Janus. And so Janus was a two-faced god, had one face in the front and one face in the back, and so he could see the future and he could see the past. And so people believe that they, if they touched his sculpture, he'd give them good, form, good, good fortune going into the new year. And, and the Romans also would sacrifice to Janus with promises or, or resolutions to live a good life that year. And so then we fast forward to, to 1740. John Wesley, along with his brother Charles, began New Year's Eve services at a church called Covenant Renewal Service. And he developed this service, which they do scripture reading, singing of hymns, prayers, seeking scriptural promises for the new year. And so that, that's how we've redeemed this, this time. And so I, I think that, look, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, Pastor Todd touched on it last week about how there's controversy about, oh, how that used to be pagan or that's a pagan tradition. Well, I've seen a post online and I really love it. You know what else is a pagan tradition? Converting to Christianity. That, that's a pagan tradition. Converting to Christianity. And so I, I think we can redeem things and come back to them. And so hopefully that's what we're doing. And so today we're going to be looking at two kind of long passages of Scripture. We're going to be looking in Colossians and Ephesians. Um, Paul wrote these two letters to two different churches that were facing um, similar issues. And the, the, these churches were really struggling with integrating either people of a different culture or or being a part of the culture that they were surrounded by you know there, there was a lot of paganism going on there was a lot of of worldliness going on and for something that was wrote a couple thousand years ago it sounds a lot like what we're dealing with today that that there's a different culture around us, a worldly culture, and that we have people here in this church from, from all different walks, all different backgrounds of life coming together to live new life in Christ. And so as, as we're rolling into the new year, um, you know, recently I was listening to Craig Rochelle. I'm a big Craig Rochelle fan. And he was talking about identifying areas of our life where we need to gain momentum. It was his leadership podcast, and he was talking about, you know, do you need financial momentum? Do you need momentum at work? Do you need momentum in your marriage? And, and he said, in his opinion, what he has seen is that if we'll get spiritual momentum, that everything else kind of falls into place. That as we're moving forward spiritually, as we're growing spiritually, that the finances will come that the, the relationships will come, that the promotion at work will come because we've put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And so I want to share a quote. I, when I had started working on this message um, before Christmas, but for Christmas, uh, I was gifted a book and it is been amazing. I'm two chapters in. I've been crying in public while I'm reading it. It's a book called uh, Praying Like Monks and Living Like Fools. But I, this, this quote, I feel like is so good. It says, most of us get about knee deep in the Christian life. 
we discover that the water feels fine and stop there. We never swim in the depths of divine intimacy that Jesus has won for us. And then it goes on to say, far too many of us find God admirable, but boring. The spiritual life is the right way, the good way, but excitement is found in our social calendars, our favorite sports teams, our conquest or career trajectories. There is a tragic disconnect between the sacred and the secular in today's Christianity that has led to an unbiblical divorce between a spiritual life made up of activities like scripture reading, prayer, and if you're going for extra credit, tithing. That's a quote, that's not, I didn't put that in there. That's part of the quote. And a normal life made up of basically everything else. We've created this disconnect between the two. And just like it says in this passage, that's, that's not biblical. That's not what God tells us. We, we're, we're not of this world, but we're living in this world. And so living a spiritual life should be integrated and part of our normal life. And so as we look at how to put, uh, at becoming a new creation and putting on the new this morning, let's look at how we can integrate that spiritual life and that normal life. A scripture kind of sets the tone a little bit. I know Pastor Todd loves it. I love it. It's one of my favorite uh, verses is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The new has come. And so let's, let's look, like I said, a couple kind of long passages of scripture, but I, I think it sets up what we want to look at this morning. So first we're going to start with Colossians 3. We'll read verses 1 through 17. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. Verse 8, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. 
Verse 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the Lord, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We see a lot in this passage about the things that we need to take off and the things that we need to put on as, as we become a new creation and these things that we need to integrate into our daily lives as, as we step into the new. As we, the old is gone, the new has come. So as we step into that, we see here a lot of instruction on, on what is the old, what do we need to take off, and what is the new, what do we need to step into. And so we're gonna look at a similar passage, Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. I know I said big passages, so. But I, I, this is really good, and I think it goes together well. So starting at verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with, with anyone in need. Verse 29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. We see uh, a lot in these passages about forgiveness, about being thankful, uh, about Focusing our, our mind on on different on, on different things, and and that's the that's the real key that that I took away from this is is we have to to set our mind on Christ. Uh, a, a quote that I, I I 
love that summarizes this is from C.S. Lewis, and it says, God became man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. I don't want to be a better version of the old me. I, I, I don't want to be a polished up old me. I want to be a new me. I want to be a new creation. I want to live a godly life. I want to live like Jesus did. Not that I can attain the, the perfection or the glory that he did, but I want to try. Not by my work, but by his. Not by my work, but by his. But we see that we need to set our minds on Christ. Both of these passages highlight that our minds should be set on Christ and our thought process renewed. In, in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I told you guys that I'm a nerd. And so I was doing some, some research and some study on this, and I found just a, a wealth of of information about how um, prayer and seeking God actually affects our mind. And I'm going to share a little bit of it now, and I'm going to share a little bit of it in a minute, but the bulk of the research that I'm going to share with you, I I have to point out that it comes from a non-believer. It it is not a, a, a Christian doctor. Who, who did this, but uh, neuroscientist Richard Davidson says you can change your brain with experience and training. That you can sculpt your brain just as you'd sculpt your muscles if you went to the gym. Our brains are continuously being sculpted. Listen to this last part. Whether you like it or not, wittingly or unwittingly. When you're sitting there bored in your downtime and I, I do it. I'm not, I'm not hating on you. I'm just, I, I do it too. But our brains are being sculpted. Our, our, we're, we're taking this in and our brains are being changed. And so what we need to do is to guard that, to be on watch in, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, is uh, we see that we have the mind of Christ. For who understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We should let our mind be renewed by the word of God. And, it, and so have that mind of Christ so that we can understand the scriptures. So how do we... How do we put on the new? That's, that, I, think, I think we all know well enough what the old is. We know who we used to be before we came to Christ. If you've gone to this church any amount of time, you know who I used to be before I came to Christ. And so we're not going to focus a whole lot on that. We've seen in the scripture what, what is described as the old, but how, what, what do I do? How do I do this? How do I put on the new? And I think in, in 1 Thessalonians, we see the answer. 
And we're, we're going to look at this little short passage and then we're going to break it down. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Verse 20, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. So step one, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Set your mind on the things that are above, not the things that are on earth. Cultivate joy by focusing your thoughts on heavenly things, understanding the eternal perspective that God provides. If you'll just sit in his presence and, and really look at what he's doing around you, you'll find a reason to, to be joyful. I remember when I was in Teen Challenge, y'all know I couldn't get up here and speak without saying when I was in Teen Challenge. When I was in Teen Challenge, they used to tell us all the time that joy is a choice. Happiness is a feeling, but joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. You can choose joy. And you don't have to let anybody else steal your joy. You don't have to let the news steal your joy. You don't have to let the school steal your joy. You don't have to let your boss steal your joy. You don't have to let other people steal your joy. You could choose to be joy, joyful no matter the circumstance. And practice that gratitude. Practice it. When, when you pray, when you talk to God, when you're spending your time with God, it's okay to say, Lord, thanks for saving me. Thanks for, thanks for saving me. Thanks for not giving up on me. Thanks for pulling me out of the mire and setting my feet upon the firm foundation. Allow that joy to be a natural outflow of your mindset. It's hard. It's hard. There, there is, there's so much negativity um, on, on social media. Listen, I know I've kind of said a couple of bad things. Y'all, I run the social media here. I do. I, I, I do our Facebook and our YouTube and, and, and TikTok. Follow us at Odessa First AG. Share it. Hashtag it. All that cool stuff. But there is so much negativity on there. There's, there's so much negativity on there. And things follow the path of least resistance. Electricity, water, everything. It takes a path that's easy. And for our minds, negativity is the path of least resistance. It's easy to be angry. It's easy to be jealous. It's easy to be spiteful. It's easy to snap back when somebody, if you're in customer service or you work with the public, it's, it's easy to, to bite back when somebody having problems that don't even pertain to you, but they brought them to you. But they brought them to you. It's easy to be rude back. We have to, to cultivate where our default mindset is to be joyful, is to be happy. Um, man, that customer was rude to me today, but I have a job. My family's not wanting for nothing. Listen, this is how you know you've made it when you're, when you're preaching is when you get to quote from Habakkuk. No, nobody reads Habakkuk or, or, you know, it's not a very popular place to quote, but we're going to look at Habakkuk chapter three. 
It says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Stuff is not going well. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. 19, God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's, and he makes me tread on the high places. This is, this is a time when, it, when, when this book is being written. This is not where you can just go to the grocery store and, and get what you need. And here he is saying that there might not be no fruit growing on the vine. There, there, there's nothing growing in the field. There's nothing in the stall. There's no animals for, for me to get meat from. But I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. He's my, he's my strength. He's my source. He's my portion. That's tough. That, that, that's a tough mindset to cultivate. Praise God, my food, my fridge has not been empty in a very, very long time. And I still find myself not in that mindset of joy. My family doesn't go without. We've seen God show up in miraculous ways throughout the entire year. But sometimes it's real easy to fall into that grumbling. It, it, it's real easy to be like, Ugh, why? Number two is this, to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Engage in, in regular prayer as a means of renewing your mind in alignment with God's will and, and, and God's truth. How, how do you, how do you if, if you have a, a spouse or, or, or if you're a youth or a child, your, your parents, how do you know what their will is, what their desire is? You talk to them. You have conversations with them. You spend time with them. That's how we know the will of God. That you you want to know what God's will is for your life? Spend time with him. Sit in his presence quietly sometimes. Sometimes you don't have to do all of the talking. God has something to say. We've seen this morning that, that sometimes he'll speak loud for us. Amen. He'll, he'll work through somebody to, to give a message. I know I needed to hear what was said. I hope it blessed you too. I, I, I need the dry time to be over. And I know a lot of families here do too. Amen. Amen. Pray for discernment to recognize and put off old thought patterns and attitudes that hinder your spiritual growth. Jesus said that, you know, if, if your son asks for, um, I'm going to butcher it. You know, if you ask for food, will you give him a snake? Or how much more will your father give you the gifts? If you want to be able to, to see that old pattern in your life, if you want God to, to give you a little check in your spirit anytime you're drifting off course, ask him. Ask him, say, Lord, help me. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we destroy 
arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of Christ and take every thought captive to obey him. When, when those old ways come creeping into your mind, catch them, catch them. I, I like to picture the, the Holy Spirit like a gatekeeper to your mind standing there with some chains and shackles ready to catch some old thoughts and, and lock them up and put them down. We're not letting them come in. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope. We see again to it that we're to rejoice, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. So here, here's some more of that research. And, I, and again, I remind you that this, this researcher was, is not a Christian. He's not a, he's not a believer. But he, he found that the inferior paracial lobe of the brain, which is responsible for, among other things, generating a sense of self versus others, me against them produces less activity than usual when we pray. Prayer shuts down that part of our brain that makes us want to separate from everybody else. It makes us one with the body of Christ. And then I found this really interesting. We, we, We've seen some of the gifts at, at work this morning, and, and you guys know that we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is made evidence by the uh, praying in tongues. And a, a recent study of nearly 1,000 evangelical Christians in England found that those who engaged in the practice of praying in tongues were more emotionally stable than those who did not that it helps level things out. Be, the, the scripture tells us that, that when we don't know what to say, the spirit within us groans and cries out to God. Imagine carrying that weight. Imagine not being able to, to pop the relief valve and let that pressure off. Just holding and carrying it, how could you not be less emotionally stable? I'm grateful that the Spirit of God within me can communicate to, to God the Father on my behalf when I don't know what to say. Because sometimes I don't. Sometimes I know I just need Him. I just need to cry out. Number three is this, give thanks in all situations, develop a habit of thankfulness by acknowledge and appreciating God's goodness in all circumstances. Be intentional about expressing gratitude in prayer, recognizing that it aligns with God's will for your life. Thankfulness counters negativity fostering a positive mindset, and contributing to a transformed perspective. I want us to, to have a transformed perspective this morning on a passage of Scripture that we're all going to be very familiar with. But I want us to just kind of look at it from a different... We're going to move the camera a little bit. Is that okay? In Genesis 4, we see the story of Cain and Abel. 
starting in verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Cain was a farmer. He brought what he grew as an offering before the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock of their fat portions. So, so Abel had the animals. Cain raised the, the crops and they brought what they had before the Lord. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. Some translations said the Lord looked upon Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And so Cain was very angry and his face fell. See, there's no backstory here. There's no why. Abel brought his, Cain brought his, God looked upon Abel's, he didn't look upon Cain's. That, that's all that scripture tells us in this story. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, Sin is crouching at the door. This is the first use of the word sin in the Bible. Sin is crouching at your door. We get this picture of sin as a, a predator outside the door waiting for him if you choose not to do well. Its desire is contrary to you. Sin's desire is opposite of you. But you must rule over it. Maybe y'all aren't like me. But there have been times in my life, there have been times this year that something has happened to somebody else, but it didn't happen to me. And I'm like, why, God? How come? How 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 come? They're getting the blessing, but I'm not. Aren't, aren't I doing the good things? And there's no answer. There's no answer. I don't know why. I, I, I don't know why things happen the way they do. Uh, scripture doesn't tell us why God looked upon Abel's sacrifice but not Cain's sacrifice. Can I get real personal with you guys? Y'all all know where I came from before Jesus. And you all know where my wife came from before Jesus. How come when I live that life at least twice as long as she did. My son lives with us. She has to drive six and a half hours to see her kid. How come? How come? Why does a family who has dedicated their life to Christ over 25 years of full-time ministry take a little vacation and get their window busted out. Why? 
There's no answer. But we have a choice. We can get angry. And in our anger sin, we can let that crouching beast outside the door take control of us. Or we can rule over it. We can say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that the car still starts and we can drive home. Thank you that we can make a road trip to go see the rest of our family. I, I don't understand why I've seen with my very own eyes people circle around a brother and pray for him and the bones be healed in his leg and somebody else has to go get medical treatment to be healed. I don't understand it, but thank you, God, that you provided the doctors and nurses and medical staff. Thank you, God. Give thanks in all situations. Because no matter what, no matter what, when I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. How selfish to ask for more. But yet he still gives. He still blesses us. Number four, surrender to the Spirit and His work. In the passage of Scripture we looked at, it says, don't quench the Spirit or despise prophecy. This is what I was talking about when I said that stuff was already lining up with what I was going to talk about this morning because it was not in the script for Derek to receive a word and for Pastor Todd to come up here and say, hold on real quick, we're going to receive what the Lord has to say. But he did it. He could have said, no, we're running behind on time. No, we've already given a window. No, we've already done this. No, we've already done that. That's a great word, Derek, but we're just going to, no, don't quench the spirit. Surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. Language involving fire is often used when we refer to the Holy Spirit. One of the, the definitions for the word despise, it says don't despise the word of the Spirit, is, is, to be, is to regard as negligible or worthless, that you don't care about it. How does the fire go out? Number one, it dies because it's not cared for or neglected. Or two, it's put out or quenched by an outside force. In the literal sense, it's dousing it with water. In the spiritual sense, it's covering the fire with sin. Paul is saying, don't stop tending the fire. Don't neglect what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Don't neglect his presence in your life. Don't get distracted or busy. And don't let sin and that old life and that old behavior drown out what the Spirit is trying to do in you. In Isaiah 63, we see that God's people literally have an angel of the Lord with them. It literally, the angel of the Lord is in their presence. And in verse 10, it says, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. What happened? He turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't neglect what God is doing in your life. Or five is test everything. Test everything. 
keep the good, staying away from the bad. We already talked about praying for that discernment to see things. John, 1 John 4 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. With the advent of TikTok and social media and all these different things, you can see in a five-minute span a hundred different preachers preaching to you. And just because they're, they're a good-looking guy that's well-spoken doesn't mean they're preaching the truth. I tell Michael, just because it's said from up here, just because it comes from me, just because it comes from Pastor Todd, doesn't mean you should take it as, 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 as 100% true. Test it. Test it against God's word. He's given you this book. Yes, I pray and seek the Lord and hopefully do a great job of interpreting his word. And I know that Pastor Todd and Derek and the other ministers that we have in this church do their best to interpret and share God's word. But it's your job to test it. Forty percent. Told you I'm, I'm a nerd. We're coming with some facts. Forty percent of produce that gets thrown away in grocery stores is because it appears imperfect. You test the fruit before you buy it, don't you? When you go into the store, don't you give it a little squeeze? And when everybody else's little squeeze marks are all over it by the time I find it and then can't, can't buy it? Why are we not testing the fruit that we take into our body? The spiritual fruit that has eternal consequences. Amen. As we get ready to close this morning... As we talk about taking off the old and, and putting on the new, I have, I have a challenge for you. Listen, I have not arrived. I am not done. There, there, there's still parts of the old me that I'm, I'm working out. I'm working on taking off. I'm working on getting rid of. And I know that's true for everyone here. But some of us have been taking off the old person a little bit longer than the rest. In John chapter 11, we see the miracle of Christ calling Lazarus back to life. And in verse 44, it says, The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. This is a man who's been in the tomb for four days. This is the man whose own sister said, Lord, don't bother. He stinks. Don't open that tomb. And Jesus said, move the, move the rock. Lazarus, come forth. But he still had on the death clothes. He still had on the old. And Jesus said to them, you who have seen what I've done, unbind him and let him go. Would you stand with me this morning? Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. 
Be sure to tune in next time for more inspirational messages. Connect with us on social media at Odessa First AG. And if you'd like to support our ministry, visit odessafirstassembly.com forward slash giving. Until next time, stay blessed.